Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is so bad, even five-day-old dead fish think it stinks. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining, weekly, pipe-smoking, dedicated broadcast for all of us pipe smokers throughout the world. I'm your host, Brian Levine, and it is Thursday night. The weekend is getting started, and it's time to have some fun. So, in tonight's show, in Pipe Parts, going to talk about etiquette at your brick-and-mortar store. Your local B&M and some etiquette tips there. Uh, my guest, I'm bringing back Paul Creasy. Paul will be with us, and this time we're only talking about tobacco. Only talking about tobacco. Hopefully going to learn a lot from the oldest tobacco company in the United States. Uh, instead of music, I got a fun little piece that uh, I want to play for you. Got a mailbag, got a rant at the end of the show that's uh, not a rant. We're going to rave a little bit at the end of this show, so it's going to be a good one. Hey, I do want to remind every one of you, our anniversary show is coming up, and I would like for you to send me your favorite moments from the show, favorite jokes, favorite routines, favorite guests, whatever your favorites were. Send them to me on a private message on PipesMagazine.com or on Facebook, or you can email them to me at Brian at pipesmagazine.com send those in we want to kind of recap some of your favorite things and i got a special guest lined up for the anniversary show coming up in just a few weeks i need some time to plan for that guess what i got i got a brand new cell phone recently and i'm uh, happy to say that i uh, got it on saturday night and i think this is thursday i think i've almost got it figured out yeah it's a brand new smartphone we switched from uh, sprint which we were having problems with back to verizon my only complaint is again if these smartphones are so smart how come they don't figure out what we want them to do but uh Anyway, let's get the show going here. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you to Sutliff Tobacco Company. Here we go. This is Internet Radio. I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical, a tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliffTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented perfect match system. Try it at SutliffTobacco.com. Go to SutliffTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. Welcome back. Hey, let's talk about your local smoke shop for a little bit here. Uh, brick and mortar, or B&M stores they're called nowadays, which refers to a store that is not a big internet presence, but might be your local smoke shop called a B&M or a brick and mortar. Here's a little a couple of tips for some etiquette with them. First of all, most of the brick and mortar or local smoke shops are heavily heavily cigar related. Very few of us are lucky enough to have a really good pipe and tobacco shop near us. But one of the things that we can do is make sure and patronize the local brick-and-mortar store that may be cigar-centric or very heavily cigar-centric, but it might open their eyes to pipe smokers, and a lot of them provide us a place to smoke when the weather's not so uh, when the weather's not pleasurable to be outside in. Let's just say these local stores. When you go in there, they provide you a space, but one of the things that I want you to make sure and do is when you go in there and you're using their space to smoke, yeah, bring your own pipe, yeah, bring your own favorite tobacco if they don't sell that brand there or whatever it is, but make sure and 
purchase something. Help them, help support them by paying them for something. It may be as simple as when I go to my local shop, yeah, I'm taking my own pipes with me. I'm taking my own tobacco that I've been aging for six, seven, eight years. But every time that I go in there, I at least buy a bottle of water to sit down and drink while I'm there. Or here's a couple of things that I always look for. Look for accessories, tampers, lighters, pipe cleaners, whatever hard goods accessories. We always, always need another spare tamper somewhere. We always, always need another pack of pipe cleaners. We might need some little doodad that they have. Or if you're an occasional cigar smoker, stop in and pick up a cigar. Now, I will tell you that you know some states have super high taxes, so there's a dramatic tax advantage for buying tobacco and cigar products from out of state or from a mail order company. Well, that's why sometimes your local brick and mortar stores, even like the state of Florida, for example, has that 95% wholesale tobacco tax. An $8 tin of tobacco is going to cost, is going to retail with them for about $12 and you can get it somewhere else for 8 and so on. Well, don't buy tobacco there. I understand it. Maybe if you want to try one tin of something, it's a great way to try one tin or try one ounce of a bulk. It's a great way to try and do some sampling there. And then when you find something that you really like, when you find a bulk tobacco or you find a tin tobacco that you really like, then you go online to one of the online retailers that has that out-of-state tax advantage and buy it all from them. But in the meantime, when you're in that store, make sure and patronize them. Make sure and support them in a way that you can help them they provide you a space to smoke. You feel welcome. Don't just walk in, come in with your own stuff, sit down and start smoking. They need to be uh, they need to be making some sort of money off of you while you're there. The other thing that this will do is make us pipe smokers a lot more visible to these basically cigar retailers. Most of them carry some sort of pipes. Very few of them don't carry any pipes at all, but if they see more pipe smokers coming in and they see us coming in and buying a lighter or two from them or buying a cigar occasionally and sit down smoke a cigar with them and then smoke your pipe or coming in and buying a couple of drinks while you're there, they might get interested in carrying more and more pipes. And the more pipes we see in retail stores, the more selection you're going to have, the more chances you're going to have as a pipe smoker to put your hands on pipes, to touch pipes, to feel pipes. I will say that most brick-and-mortar stores aren't going to offer some of the discounts that our online retailers do, but when you're like most of us and you're buying a pipe in the $50 to $70 to $80, $90 range, a 10% discount isn't all that much anyway. So if you find a pipe at a brick-and-mortar store that you like, go ahead and pick that up. That's a great sale for them. The more pipe people they see in their stores, the more pipes they sell, the more accessories they sell, the more pipes and accessories they're going to carry. It's just quite that simple. Uh, the other thing by being more visible in the store is you may entice some of those uh, cigar guys to try a pipe, which brings me to point number two. If you're in a store, you're in your local brick and mortar, and there's another pipe smoker there, share your blend with them. Whatever your favorite blend is, Share it. Let them try it. Let them see what they think of it. Smell it. If there's a cigar guy in there and he asks you about your blend, share it with him. Let him smell it. He may not own a pipe. But again, the idea is that we need to get out, be more visible, and help support these brick and mortars with, some, with a little bit of business and maybe get more uh, pipe smokers involved in the hobby. Now, I do want you to do me a favor. If you've got a great local brick and mortar store, a favorite place to go and hang out, Post it in the comments on this radio show. Let everybody know because uh, some of us do travel and we like to know where those uh, great friendly pipe smoking places are where we can uh, sneak in and have a pipe full. Post it down there. Let us know what your favorite brick and mortar store is. Uh, city and state name would be perfect. So, all right, everybody. Paul Creasy coming up in just a minute. Do you? 
need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favourite blends outside of the US? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favourite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the US and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. There's nothing quite like a good book. Or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. Hi, this is Russ Gillette, and you're listening to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Please join me in welcoming back to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show the president of the Sutliff Tobacco Company, the one, the only doctor of pipes, Paul Creasy. Paul, welcome back. Hey, thanks, Brian. I'm glad to be back, and uh, um, I'm looking forward to our talk again. Apparently, I didn't offend you enough the first time, so. Nope, nope. I, 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 I definitely came back, so that, that, that's a credit to you. All right, we are only talking about the fun stuff that we love this time. We're talking all about tobacco in particular, Sutliff Tobacco. Uh, uh, absolutely. I, I've been told uh, that, that my last uh, interview might have been more appropriate for the Halloween show, especially with all the, the scary stuff involving the government. So it's all going to be sunshine and lollipops. No problem. Yes, no more Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, <laughs> nope, nope. We're going to keep it keep it upbeat. Speaking of Elm Street, where did Sutliff Tobacco start? It started in San Francisco, California, during the gold rush, actually. Uh, Henry Sutliff and his brother... Uh, went out west to uh, make their fortune and figured, well, we could go out there and and pan for gold and get dirty and start digging around looking for gold, or we could probably make more money opening up a pipe and cigar shop because all these guys are going to come back into town and smoke. And so that's where it started. Uh, Actually, the original building and the original company, that they started as Sutliff Tracker Company uh, is now, and I think it's still open. If not, it's it's it was uh, just a year ago as Grant's Pipe Shop in San Francisco. Uh, started in 1849, ran primarily as a pipe and cigar shop for the miners out there, and just slowly over the next 20 or 30 years, uh, really got more into making their own blends. They we're important, importing cigars from all over the world for the for San Francisco. I mean, San Francisco back in those days was like growing at a rate of like thirty percent a year. So it was uh, it was big big time boom time for them. Uh, started making their uh, own tobaccos in the eighteen eighties. Their first real hit <clears throat> in manufacturing they kind of went national. I mean, they were making lots of blends for all up and down the West Coast all during the 19th century, was uh, Mixture 79 in 1933. They they came up with that blend, and that really went national, and they really expanded big time into, into manufacturing from that point and kind of really outgrew their facilities. And so in uh, 1953, they decided to go to the tobacco capital of the world, uh, right here in lovely Richmond, Virginia, and uh, built the plant, um, and this this plant was actually one of the few that I could think of that was built specifically for one product. It was originally built just to make Big Chevy Nine, and uh, with the dipper and uh, the cutters and, and the presses and all that, started manufacturing here in 1953, and, and we've been here ever since. Did the Sutliff family own it all the way up until... Uh... All the way through the movie. Yeah, they, 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 they in fact, the Gordon Sutliff, who is the great, 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 I think, I, I think I've got enough greats in there, nephew of the founder, Henry Sutliff, he, he owned the company. I mean, his father had owned it. I mean, it, it, he was like fifth or sixth generation. <laughs> he was gone for a long time. He was running the company. He was a World War II vet. When he came back from World War II, he, he got brought into the family business like, like his dad before him. And, uh, you know, he's really the one pri- primarily responsible for moving the company from uh, San Francisco to Richmond and, and really got the facilities built up the way that they are. He 
ran the company as the owner from all from 1953 here in Richmond to 1969, when he sold the company to Consolidated Cigar. It still was operating as an independent entity. It was owned by Consolidated Cigar at that time. And uh, ever since then, it's always had other owners. And at th- at that time, I think Gulf and Western owned Consolidated Cigars, so they were they were in everything. I mean, they they had cigars, pipe tobacco, uh, movies. They owned Simmons Mattress Company. I mean, they they were into everything. And Gulf and Western owned Consolidated Cigar for all through the '70s into the early '80s, and when leverage buyouts became all the rage, uh, Consolidated Cigar went private through a management buyout, and so it became an independent entity. Sutliff went right along with it and went through various owners with that. Uh, Ron Perlman, who is the owner of McAndrews and Forbes and Revlon, Marvel Comics, and a bunch of other companies, uh, uh, basically took over the company back in the late 80s and owned it. And that's when he brought Theo in to run Consolidated Cigar. And the tobacco company was still running running just you know on its on its own merits along with Consolidated Cigar. Gordon retired in 1989, so it, it's funny. I actually never worked for Gordon. Uh, our paths kind of crossed. Uh, he left the company and then hired a guy named Phil Mazzoni, who was the guy that hired me. Phil Mazzoni was uh, originally, he, he I mean, he had worked for Lane Limited. That's where he got hired from as their main uh, R&D guy. He was the guy who who basically created most of the blends that Lane Limited uh, continues to make. Captain Black, he was a big part of that all during the 60s. He actually knew uh, Herman Lane, uh, the, the great-grandson of the founder, and uh, he had worked for Lane Limited for a long time. Prior to that, he had worked for Liggett Meyer in the cigarette business. And uh, I learned a lot from Phil. Phil was a great guy. I mean, he was truly one of the, you look back on the, the people that were in the industry years ago, and Phil was really one of the greats. I mean, he was a tobacco maverick. I mean, he knew everything there was about tobacco. And one of my first memories I can remember when I was just starting out back in the, you know, in, in the industry back in the early, early 90s, and going into his office now, he's the vice president of the, of the pipe tobacco division. I go into his office, and he's got grades of raw leaf laying all over the place in piles. And he's <laughs> he's taking four leaves out of this pile and putting it into another pile, and then he's taking the leaves out of another pile. And he's basically creating the blends for the for the next year. Uh, and he was making sure that all the colors matched up and, and all that. So uh, he was really a... Really, a great guy to have as my mentor because he he really taught me everything I needed to you know that anyone could ever need to know about tobacco and how it works and how the whole process works. Uh, he was really the guy. He, he, his background was chemistry. Uh, he wasn't an accounting or sales guy. He was he was a he was a chemist, and he he did all the flavors and uh, it's really really. I can't say enough good things about Phil Mazzoni. He was he was one of the best. Let's go back to Mixture seventy nine because uh, first thing that comes to mind was their seventy eight failures before that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But what I what I want to what I want to ask you about is the I mean the evolution of a blend because of changes in environment and changes in tobaccos that are available and changes in processes. Have you seen any? Can, can, is there any markable change in mixture seventy nine through the years because of lack of availability of specific tobaccos? Or uh, there, there hasn't been a, a tobacco related with mixture seventy nine. I think you know. I think your broader question is probably this: <clears throat> mixture seventy nine when it came out in nineteen thirty three. I mean, it's still on the market now. Uh, was definitely a product of its time. Back in those days, uh, you know, the traditional pipe tobacco blends tended to be these almost 100%, I mean, burly blends, very, uh, very old school, uh, heavy, heavy licorice casing, um, and it was it was aromatic. I mean, it says on the box, mixture of 89 aromatic, but it was aromatic in the 1933 sense of the word aromatic. 
in that it was uh, it has kind of a perfumey, very very uh, very different taste than than what is currently on the market. What I have noticed, if I were to look at the the history of Sutliff Tobacco Company, is how tastes have changed over the years and how we've adjusted to it. I mean, for example, you know, back in the 20s and 30s and 40s, primarily, uh, everything we did was was either mixtures. Nine, we we bought uh, another brand called Hind Blend, which is another one of those uh, blends that that came out of the Middle Ages. It seems. I mean, they were that, that's even older than Mixture 79. It goes back to 192. Wow. Uh, but we bought that. It was another one of these old school barley blends, all dipped. Uh, we're one of the few. And we'll probably get into this later in our talk, but we're one of the few factories probably in the world <clears throat> that was really designed around the whole dipping, drying, cutting, pressing process. So all you know, dipping is totally different than spray casing, and and, and mix seventy nine was dipped, and so was Heinz blend. In it, that was pretty much the the way most tobaccos were, you know, up through the, the late 50s and, and into the early 60s. Mostly very heavy, burly-based, heavily cased, lightly flavored in what we would we would tend to think of now. If you say something is highly aromatic, you wouldn't think of necessarily Mixed Chevy 9 as fitting that category. Uh, then, you know, in the 60s, things started to change. You know, the, uh, the whole concept of Danish-style tobaccos. Uh, in fact, some of the old-timers here still refer to roll-up pouches, for example, as Danish pouches. That was the big <laughs> innovation back in the 60s. And it became more uh, – string string cut became more popular. The longer cuts of tobacco, things were tended to be uh, a lot more spray-cased tobacco, so they were more lightly cased and very, very heavily flavored. Uh, at that point, you know, we kind of, kind of got into more of the – what are now more considered aromatic style tobaccos. Uh, we got into, uh, we made an agreement with Old Granddad, the Old Granddad bourbon people. And that was actually a very big brand for us. It's still on the market, but it's marketed under the name Dutch Master now. Uh, in fact, I often joke, you know you're in an industry that has a has an image problem when the liquor people refuse to deal with you because <laughs> they think you're too hot. <laughs> And that was the case that we had. We had a licensing agreement to make Old Granddad pipe tobacco. And it was a big hit for us. I mean, we had their, their logo on every one of our pouch. And it's a great it's a great blend. I mean, it's a whiskey-flavored blend. It's, it's in a roll-up pouch. It's also in a 14-ounce can, and it's uh, very nice. Uh, but they... They basically said, "Hey, we don't want uh, you know we're 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 in the distilled spirits industry, and we don't want to be associated with tobacco. You people are really really problems." And so they pulled our licensing agreement. So we had to you know basically you know keep the the product going, but we had to market it under a name we already owned. And at that time, and still, Casale Cigar had the they had the brand uh, Dutch Masters. So. Old Granddad uh, is still on the market now, but it's just called old, uh, you know, called Dutch Masters. So if you see Dutch Masters pipe tobacco, that's Old Granddad. Uh, Drew Estates had the same thing happen to them with Kahlua. Kahlua refused yeah. to renew the trademark. <laughs> you, know, I mean, that's, you know, you know that's that's pretty rough when the liquor people start running from you. <laughs> you know, that's that. That's bad. We're going to take a quick break here so that I can have some liquor real quick, and then we'll be back. We'll talk about uh, we'll talk about the raw tobacco and the processing. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog in the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> in fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. 
Gotta run. <laughs> Just log on to smokingpipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are smokingpipes.com. This is Internet Radio. We are back with Paul. Paul, let me ask you this. Uh, buying tobacco, where do you, where all do you source your tobacco from? Well, we, you know, being in the pipe tobacco business, we, you know, we, we obviously aren't big enough to make contracts directly with farms. So we go through a lot of uh, tobacco brokers, uh, you know, and, and like the Standard Commercial or Universal Leaf or people like that, and they source the tobacco out for us. You know, primarily, you know, you get your, you know, your Virginia tobaccos, which in the industry is usually referred to as flu cured. Uh, you usually get those from, you know, anywhere from Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, into Virginia. You get your Burleys more in your Tennessee and Kentucky area. Uh, Orientals obviously come from, you know, Greece, Turkey, you know, that, that area over there. Uh, Latakia is Cyprus or Syria. Uh, in fact, it's probably all Cyprus now. I think the Syria is having some trouble. Um, and, you know, that's pretty much, the, you know, where you get it. But you don't really make the deal with the farmers directly. You have to go through the uh, the, the brokers because, you know, we're in a situation, and most everybody in the pipe tobacco business, in fact, even in the cigar business because of the volumes, you know, the big cigarette companies will come and they'll buy, you know, 100 million pounds of, you know, Leaf X, uh, Grade X, and then there'll be like maybe a hundred thousand pounds that, for whatever reason, uh, aren't packed exactly right. They might be four hundred pounds per box as opposed to four hundred forty or whatever. We'll buy that. So we have actually a pretty decent stock of uh, raw leaf. Uh, we have almost probably two or three years' supply at any given time. One of the things we've done, because we don't make contracts directly with farmers, in order to keep the blend consistent, there's two ways you could do that. You can either be big enough to buy the same break from the same farmer year after year after year. That's one way. Now, you have to be pretty big to do that. Or what you do is you you increase the variety of the grades that you have in your blend so that if you ever run out of any one particular grade – it won't be so noticeable because it's only 5%. And just so I don't get too far into the inside the weeds, you know, uh, uh, talk here, by grades I'm talking about type, you know, grades within a type. Burley, for example, is a type. Then there are grades of, of burley within that overall type. So, for example, a typical, you know, cigarette company might have a, a blend that has, you know, two types and four grades. We'll have a blend that has maybe two or three types, like a flu-cured burly oriental mix, but it might have 90 grades. I mean, we have a lot of different grades. So that's one way of keeping the product consistent by having such a broad mix of product that it's, you know, any one particular grade is is going to be able to go away or come back and be replaced by something very similar, and it, it's not going to be noticeable. And, you know, too, it's, it's not a practical way. It's, it's a good way of making sure that your supply of leaf is, is steady because, you know, there are some years, for example, that there's just not the availability. I mean, um, to give you a prime example of this, <clears throat> we have a grade that we call FRC, which is flu cured, but it's red. We actually have subgrades within the grade. So, for example, flu cured or Virginia is an overall category. We'll have a subcategory, FLC, which will be yellow, very yellow, lemon-colored flu cured. FRC, which will be that that deep, dark, mahogany look, the red Virginia, which is very specific, and FOC, which is kind of an orange-looking uh, flu cured. Because pipe tobacco is one of the few, in fact, it's the only part of the tobacco business other than maybe the wrapper on cigars, where the actual look and color of the tobacco makes a big difference. Yeah. Well, there are years where there is no red Virginia. <laughs> I mean, there's just none available at any price. And so... We 
are making sure that we maintain our stocks of 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 grades or or categories like that that can go short sometime. I mean, Parikh is another example. I have a just an ungodly amount of Parikh because I'm always scared because it's such a very limited supply of it that uh, if something happened uh, and the Parikh market dries up, I want to make sure that we're covered. Can I come up to Richmond and hug the barrels? <laughs> yeah, well, gee, if you did, I would warn you about that. Because, I've done, I've uh, done this, it before. It did, yeah, and I'm sure you probably spent the rest of the day laying down. Oh, this will be uh, something I think your, your, your listeners would be interested in. When we get the barrels of Parik in, and it's a unique, it's a unique process. Uh, Parik comes in these these original looking barrels, and they've been uh, you know aged in those barrels for at least two or three years before we get them. I mean, the whole Parik process is a very complex. I mean, you could do a whole show just on that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the the uh, the nicotine content of Parik is extremely high. In fact, it's the highest of any tobacco there is. Well, the guys that, that we have working in the processing department, when they are processing brick and they're taking them out of the barrels, and this is not something you do by machine, you have to do it by hand. Well, they have these big rubber gloves that you, 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 you wear when you're usually when you're welding or things like that, but they go all the way up their arm to, to cover their any exposed skin because what was happening is when guys would be out there working with the preak and the you know the, the the juice would get on their arm, they all started getting woozy and <laughs> and dizzy and falling down. I mean, they were basically becoming you know overexposed to all the all that uh, all that nicotine. I mean, preak is a product that you use at like one or two percent in a blend. Well, you can imagine what a barrel of four hundred pounds. <laughs> You know, uh, would do if it got on your skin. That's going to be, it's going to make uh, make for a very busy afternoon. So we always, uh, all the new guys, whenever we have somebody new in the processing department, the old timers are always tell them, make sure you uh, you suit up <laughs> before you work with a parik. <laughs> Part of the requirements of working there is you have to be able to unpack a barrel of parik without any protection. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and maintain uh, standing up, and while balancing a tray on your head, that that would be quite a trick. So you you did talk you talked about casings and flavorings. Um, all your casings, flavorings, everything food grade. Oh yeah, yeah. We made that decision a time ago. Uh, but you know, one thing that, that probably I should talk about uh, as far as casing and flavorings is the two methodologies of, of casing. Yeah. I think I touched on it a little bit earlier, but there's really two ways that you can case the product. And your products are cased, then they're cut and dried, and then they go to they, – they, they bulk usually for a period of time to kind of let the, the casing set in. And then they go to the blending department for the top flavor. Casing is sort of the uh, – if you were to use the cake analogy – Casing is the flour, eggs, sugar, and molasses that you use to make the cake. Flavoring is the icing that goes on the cake. So if you're making a chocolate cake, the cake itself would be the eggs and the sugar. Uh, the chocolate flavoring would be the flavor. Well, when you're casing in the in the process department, there's two methods to do it. We still dip a lot of our – most of our burleys are still dipped because it's it's been my experience, and, and I, I admit I'm not an unbiased uh, source here, but dipped tobacco really does change the characteristics of the tobacco, I think, dramatically for the, for the better. Uh, you basically, you, you take your, your tobaccos, you load them onto a belt, you steam, well, first you have to steam them so that they can get open, you know, that, so that the tobacco can be worked with and we don't end up being in the snuff business. <laughs> you have to get it at least pliable enough to start to work with. So you heat the tobacco up to about 140 degrees to really open up the pores in the leaf so that it could drink into the, drink the casing into the actual center of the leaf. When it goes to the dipper, it, imagine if you can, like a giant trough, maybe, 50 feet long, and the trough fills up with the casing sauce, which is licorice and sugar and molasses and corn syrup and things like that, all the the base flavors that kind of affect the, the smoky qualities of the tobacco, but 
necessarily impart a characterizing flavor. The tobacco is dragged through this trough to soak the casing deep, deep into the actual leaf itself. The excess is squeezed out on these giant rollers that you know about the size of you know a, uh, a piano, and then it goes through the Proctor Schwartz dryer or an apron dryer, which is it's about a hundred feet long, but it, it essentially is like a giant pizza oven that's that's moving. That. <laughs> That will dry the, the tobacco down initially. It kind of crystallizes the sugars and the licorice and, and, the, and the molasses into the leaf by really, really uh, flashing off all the liquids. It, it comes out of the other end. It takes about an hour to get from one end of the dryer from the dipper to the other end to, to the, the exit. You bulk it in these big bins that are about you know hold about four or 5,000 pounds of tobacco at a time. You bulk it overnight so that you, you have an even moisture throughout the whole mix. The next day, then, you cut the tobacco, and then you go through a redryer, which is like a big tumbler that, 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 that heats up. That, that then will drive off the remaining moisture so you can get it to the final moisture that it needs to be. That's one method of, of casing. Now, if when you're, you're going to make like a... When you're doing oh, that, when you're dipping them, do you have to clean it? you have to clean that whole line each time be- Oh yeah, it is a it is a messy, messy job, and, and you know I always uh, I always feel for the guys at this particular time of year. <clears throat> you know, on a on a cold day, if you go back into the processing department, it's about ninety two degrees when they're running that whole process because it's all steam and you're heating up casing sauce. I mean, it's a very hot process on a day. Today's not so bad, but you know, on on really hot summer days. I mean, it can get pretty brutal back there. So, you know, guys will, you know, we need to have make sure guys take a lot of breaks because it it can be pretty hot back in the processing department. Wow. You know, once, it, once it's come out of the dipper, you can either move it over to an area where you make your plugs, where you basically squeeze the tobacco into what looks like a two-by-four with a ton press and then cut it that way to make more of your slices or your cubes. Or you could go through another guillotine-style cutter to just cut it out into like a ribbon cut. The spray casing system, which is the other methodology for making more of your lighter-cased products, these are more for your like Virginias and and and, and things of that nature. Uh, basically, you take your tobacco, you make up your casing sauce, usually the same type of sauce, maybe a little bit uh uh, less on the licorice and corn syrup side. Uh, but you spray your casing sauce onto the tobacco. Then you don't go through the Proctor Schwartz, but you just go straight through the rotary dryer. And then you dry that down to the same percent. At that point, it's ready to move into the blending department, where usually we let the tobacco sit after we've gone through the plastic department for at least a week before it then can move on to be at, you know, have your top flavors added to it. And then the top flavors are all regular food-grade additives? All regular food-grade additives, yes. Uh, You know, we have, um, you know, there's a whole, I mean, there's like what we call straight blends or complex blends. A straight blend, as the name would indicate, pretty straightforward. You take a processed leaf and you apply flavor directly to it. You have complex blends that are like, you take two two uh, blended leaf. Blended leaf is processed leaf that's already been flavored. You mix those together. Sometimes you apply a third flavor to that. Uh, you know, there's a, I mean, literally an almost an infinite combination of products that you can make. And I know when we were when I was originally hired to set up our uh, MRP system, which is the acronym stands for Material Requirements Planning. That was my original job when I first came here back in 1990. You, when I was setting up the product structures for all this, I was shocked. I mean, back then, our product structure file had 85,000 records in it. <laughs> uh, I mean, now our product structure file has 115,000 records. I mean, it's just an enormously complex. You know, if you were to map it out, it's 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 almost an infinite you know number of of, of combinations. Our our most complicated blend it goes through. You know, it goes through the processing department, and then it goes through eight different derivations of worker process in the blending department before it becomes a finished product. So it can get very complicated. But a lot of the the taste characteristics of the tobacco really 
that's what makes it be what it is in the sense that, you know, if you, if you were to make a cake, to use the cake analogy again, if you went home and you put an egg in, in the microwave and then put some sugar and flour through a, some chocolate flavoring in there and turned the microwave on for three minutes, guess what? There's not a cake coming out the other end. You have to make things in stages, and you have to make certain things you have to make and let sit, and then you mix with other things that you've already made in advance. You mix those two things together to put something third on top of that, and that's really the, the subtlety of, of, of the business. A lot of these blends, I mean, some of them go back, you know, Hundred years, but some of them also uh, are like combinations of things that we've discovered that that work. I mean, that uh, you know, just kind of benign accidents. That oh, you know, if you take this, if you let the rum sit for two weeks and then you mix it with this flavor, then you get this characteristic. And so it's uh, it's been an ongoing process. Hang on for me. I'm going to take another break right here, and then when we come back, I'm going to I'm going to get you to to talk about some specific blends that you guys make right now that our listeners can try. So we'll be back in just a minute. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Does anything beat relaxing on the patio or playing 18 holes with a fine cigar during the summertime? Kathy of Cup of Joe's has the place for you. Queensberry Cigar and Pipe. Enjoy their cigar lounge with three large screen TVs or a patio to soak in the rays. You have to check out their beautiful cedar-lined walk-in humidor and their huge selection of pipes to choose from. They even have fast delivery for those of you that are out of the area. Queensberry Cigar and Pipe, Route 9, Queensberry. On Facebook under Cup of Joe's Cigars and Pipes and the web at cupofjoes.com. All right, we are back with Paul, and instead of the Fast Five final questions to wrap this up, I am really interested to find out. Are you ready for these? I want short answers, quick answers, so that I know exactly what to go out and get. But can you give me a give me a name of one of your blends that's a good example of the uh, of the dipped style? All right, I, I have two. The original dip product would be Mixer Seventy Nine, for example. That was it's all dipped. Uh, all of our burleys are dipped. So anytime you see any of our burleys, especially if you open up a can of like uh, our our man's best friend, and you'll see those chunks in there, that's all going to be dipped product. Mixer 39's all dipped. The one of our aromatics that is primarily made out of dipped product uh, to get kind of a feel for it is Molto Dolce, which is a highly aromatic tobacco. But all the burleys in that, and it's about 60% burley, that's all dipped. So if you want to kind of get a feel for what the dip is, you've got the two ends of the spectrum. Uh, Mix 79 on the on the old school perfumey type of aromatic and Molto Dolce, which is one of our better selling uh, highly aromatic tobaccos. Now for me to compare those two and so that I stay within the same factory, is there a are there similar blends that are non-dipped that I can compare those to? And I realize this is like comparing fried chicken to pizza, but uh, give me a place to start. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to, 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 to keep in the same you know taste care category. I mean, for example, most of your English tobaccos being that they either have no burley or very little burley because dipping is primarily a burley process. Uh, they're all mostly not dipped. Uh, the one product that we have in our subtle private stock line that's that's primarily spray cased is the Maple Street, for example. That's all spray cased. Uh, we do have one burley that we make as a ribbon burley, and that is spray cased, and it goes into Maple Street. So comparing Maple Street to most adults would be kind of a comparing dipped to non-dipped products. Sounds like a sweet night for me too. It would be. I mean, it's or you could try an English. All the Englishes are primarily not dipped as well. Yeah, I don't like Latakia, but yeah. What is your I'm most? wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, well, that's not that's not high up on the list of the multiple things. But uh, <laughs> right of your blends, which one is either? I guess the most complicated or the most. I don't want to say complex because that's kind of a taste characteristic. But which one's the most complicated blend? Well, there, there's one that's the absolute most complicated, but it's 
it's probably not something that that your average consumer would know about because it's a bulk blend. But I was thinking about this. We should have had this uh, promotion back in 2012 during the Herman Cain uh, candidacy because we had a blend for years called 999. Uh, and as the name would indicate, uh, it had nine different blend, blend leaves that went into it with flavors then applied on top that had, uh, that all had to go through nine processes. So it, if you were to do a, a chart on that product, it would look like, uh, you know, a Jackson Pollock painting. I mean, it was very complicated. Uh, as far as like one of the more mainstream products that somebody could go out and buy, uh, Charlemagne actually is a very complicated product. Uh, that's that's in our subtle private stock line. I mean, it has Burley in Virginia and, and Black Cavendish and uh, Red Virginia and, and Yellow Virginia, and it goes through multiple stages with sub-blends, so it's it's very complicated. Not quite as complicated as 999, but it might be uh, 777, for example. It's, it's up there. <laughs> now, now I'm flashing back to Las Vegas. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right, and the last three for our listeners. I'm an English smoker. Which ones of your blends should I go out there and try? Well, I would definitely. I'm. Yeah, I am biased here. Uh, blend five is my favorite. But I tell you, a blend that has done extremely well. We came out with it a couple of years ago. It even uh, came. You know, was was featured in the Balkan Zabrani Throwdown a couple of years ago. Is our Balkan Luxury Blend in our Settler Private Stock line. That would you would probably like that, uh, you know. Uh, uh, what else we we've got? We have uh, you know Berkshire is another one of our English blends that that's done extremely well. And then our Tobacco Galleria line, if you want something pretty high in Perique, uh Fox and Hound, for example, uh, is a good English blend. So any of those would would really uh, would really suit your tastes. All right, I'm an aromatic guy. Where do I start? Well. I would definitely, if I were an aromatic smoker and I said I could only smoke one thing, it would definitely be Molta Dolce. Uh, that's our, our number one seller in the seller private stock line. Charlemagne would be a, a close second <clears throat> with uh, with Maple Street, uh, a, a, a third right behind it. I mean, those are those are the best. Uh, you also have Top Shelf if you like more of kind of a bourbony. Taste. I mean, that was that was really the concept behind Top Shelf. It's an aromatic with a very high bourbon content, or Barbados Plantation. If you're more in a rum mood, uh, so that's more of our aromatic rum. So any of those categories, uh, and, and again, you can always go to our website. I'm going to put in a shameless plug here and take our little quiz on find your perfect match and uh, ask answer a couple of questions, and it'll spit right out what uh, the perfect blend for you. And the other thing that you guys have a lot of that I want to find out, which Black Cavendish? Uh, you know, Black Swan, I think, is, is one of our better ones. Uh, you know, we didn't really talk too much about Black Tobacco and Black Cavendish, but it's, it's definitely a process worth talking about. You know, that is the, the tobacco is steam-sweated for 48 hours in these big, you know, what, we refer to as hogsheads. Uh, they, they go back to the 1600s, that term. Uh, these wooden barrels that the, the steam is con- continuously flowing through the barrels to kind of scorch the tobacco. It essentially really uh, turns the sugars in the tobacco to where it turns completely black. It kind of neutralizes the tobacco taste. It's not, black tobacco is really not for somebody who, who likes a lot of strong tobacco taste. It's more for somebody who wants to impart whatever flavor you're going to put on it onto the tobacco. Uh, very mild is probably the absolute mildest smoke we have. Uh, but Black Swan would definitely be in that category. Um, you know, St. George's blend, which is, uh, is, has a lot of black tobacco in it. It also has other components, but it, uh, if you like black cherry, uh, it definitely would fit your, fit your category. And it's got, it has a lot of black Cavendish in it. And with that, I will say thank you again for joining us. Hopefully I didn't offend you this time and you'll come back again later. Absolutely. Anytime, Brian. It's uh, once again. I want to compliment you and your show. I think uh, what what you and you you guys are doing for the industry is, yeah, I, I, we can't thank you enough. This is uh, this is a, a great venue for 
getting the word out about pipe tobacco and pipes, and uh, I think it's, uh, it's a good thing, and I'm, I'm glad to be not only a listener but a participant. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. And we will be back in just a minute. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeershamStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including calabash, claws, dragons, horror, even a sexy series. MeershamStore.com. The most trusted Meersham store for 50 years. Welcome back. How is that for a whole ton? I mean, a ton of tobacco information. And I learned something new about the uh, dipping process for flavoring tobaccos. So there you go. Once again, another, uh, another time when I get to learn something in this great hobby of ours. All right, let's jump into the mailbag. Nothing fancy. Got a lot to get through here. I do want to apologize to all the book collectors out there. I left books out of the collections. I guess uh, I do have a collection of Disney books of my own, and I've got my own pipe-related books, so should have thought of that. I mean, I guess they kind of tie into the other things that I collect, but books are a great collectible. And John, uh, on the poetry being downloaded, it won't be available for download, but I do have by good source, and as soon as it's available, I will uh, get Mike Saul to let us know that he's going to be doing a uh, audio recording of all of his readings, so that'll be available for download purchase directly from him. I do want to say, yeah, Joe Case is a great, uh, great asset to the hobby, wonderful, easy guy to interview. And I still wish I had his voice instead of mine. Uh, Comic books. Wow, there's more books that I missed in things to collect. So comic books, also baseball cards. Lots of collectors out there. All right, a couple of things. Coming up next week, I will be in Columbus, Ohio for the NASPC show. If you need information on that, go to pipesmagazine.com, check on the uh, click on the events page. You'll get information on that. I will also be broadcasting from Columbus, Ohio on Thursday night. Hopefully it won't be the Jack Hanna uh, cage that I'll be broadcasting from, but I am going to be spending Sunday, uh, late flight back Sunday night, I'll be spending Sunday morning and afternoon at the Great Columbus Zoo, spending some time getting around there. Uh, the Nashville show, September 13th and 14th, and uh, Casey Ghost, I think everybody needs another pipe show. Everybody ought to have another pipe show out there. Which brings me to this announcement, the Chattanooga Pipe Show. Chattanooga Pipe Club is putting on their first pipe show. It's a gathering at the Chattanooga Billiard Club, and you will be able to smoke. The event is scheduled for 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. that's 10 a.m. to 5 on September 21st. September 21st 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Chattanooga, Tennessee. If you need more information, you can find them on Facebook at Chattanooga Pipe and Cigar Club or email them at Chattanooga Pipe Club at gmail.com. So there's another brand new pipe show coming out. Also, the Conclave of Richmond Pipe Smokers, October 11th, 12th, and 13th, Richmond, Virginia, and then the last pipe show of the year, the 2013 West Coast Pipe Show, November 2nd and 3rd. I will be in uh, Columbus, Nashville, Richmond, and Las Vegas for those shows. Uh, my schedule is getting really tight coming up because in addition to those shows, I've got trips planned to San Antonio, Texas. I've got a trip down to Florida, hopefully to hang out with the Boca Raton Pipe Club down there. And there's a couple other little things in between that I can't think of. I do want you to uh, kind of uh, be with me next uh, Wednesday night. Next Wednesday night, I will be uh, chaperoning at the Bruno Mars concert. And uh, if those of you could uh, just think about me next Wednesday night as I'm being uh, tortured. I mean, um, 
chaperoning my teenage daughter and her friend there. Which brings me to uh, marching band season is back in, so I'll be uh, spending Friday nights at football games, Saturdays at uh, competitions, and then a whole bunch of Saturdays traveling to pipe shows. So, a lot going on. All right, I got one piece of fun entertainment that I want to play for you. This is an actual old radio commercial. Okay, lunch is over. Now back to work. Hiya, Mr. Flintstone. Greetings, Rocky, my boy. Pack of Winston's, please. Ah, you like them Winston cigarettes, huh, Mr. Flintstone? Mm, but, of course, they really got something. You bet you like. Folks who really enjoy smoking know it's what's up front that counts. And that's where Winston steps out ahead of the crowd with their exclusive filter blend. Choice Golden Tobacco's Specially selected and specially processed for filter smoke. Hold it, hold it. Hey, what you mean? What are you pitching Winston's at me for? You know I never smoke nothing else. Just practicing, Mr. Flintstone. Everybody knows that. Winston tastes good, like a cigarette should. Yeah. See you soon, Rocky. Every time I hear that, I just wished we could go back to the... Back to the days when uh, you could have the Flintstones promoting a fine tobacco product on the air. So, All right, coming to the end of the show. Rant time's coming up next. I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical. A tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliftTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented Perfect Match system. Try it at SutliffTobacco.com. Go to SutliffTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. This is Internet Radio. Cowboy. Cowboy. No rant for you tonight. Got a little bit of a rave. We'll shout out for you about how I met a couple of really wonderful ladies. Uh, my wife's grandmother, her granny Sarah, passed away. In fact, it was last Thursday night that she finally passed away. She had been suffering for years with uh, Alzheimer's slash dementia. And in the last three or four months, it had really gone downhill to the point where hospice care was brought in for her. She was still at home, but every other day the nurses, the hospice nurses were coming in and taking care of her, checking on her, washing her, helping her bathe, helping my mother-in-law take care of her. And last week when she finally did pass away, family was all with her. The hospice nurses came, and let me tell you what wonderful ladies those were. They sat there patiently, helped the family deal with the mortuary and deal with all the arrangements, stayed there, made sure that the body was comfortable, made sure that all the questions that were needed to be asked were asked of the mortuary, made sure that all the arrangements were handled for in a time when obviously uh, most people aren't prepared for it, but these are wonderful people. The ho- anybody out there that's ever had to deal with a hospice nurse, I hope you have the ones that we had here for our uh, Granny Sarah. Please don't feel bad for Granny Sarah. Almost 90, lived a full and uh, eventful life. And for us as a family, it's more of a relief that she's uh, finally no longer suffering in that earthly body that was uh, not serving her too well. If you're a hospice nurse or you know one, please thank them for me, thank them for our family, thank them for what they do for everybody towards the end of their days. 
All right, that's it for tonight's show. Please make sure, send me those emails and uh, Facebook messages. Let me know your favorite parts of the show. Let me know uh, what you've liked over the show. Follow the Pipes Magazine radio show on Facebook. If you haven't had a chance yet and you're listening to it on iTunes, please make sure and leave an iTunes review and a rating for us. That does help the show get rated and uh, gets it up even higher like we uh, made it up to number 10 last Friday. So it's great news. Also, check out PipesMagazine.com. A couple of new pipe babes that uh, Kevin slipped in there. I believe uh, Gabrielle's a repeat. But uh, check those out on PipesMagazine.com. I will say thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. And until next time, from Columbus, Ohio. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny The part of Russ Roulette was performed by James Earl Jones.